0: welcome 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 to another episode of horrorversary if you're joining us for the first time things are very simple here this is a podcast that celebrates horror movies that are celebrating anniversaries and of course we have to be specific and i will do this every single time and i'm fine with it we're not doing the small one two five year type thing or any denomination of five if you can hear in the background my dog is very excited about this so he's involved as well. We're doing 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, sometimes even 60-year anniversaries. Because if there's one thing you know about the horror set, it's that they absolutely not only love their horror movies, but celebrating a good anniversary. This year alone, there's, or there's probably going to be a 30th anniversary of Cheerleader Camp out there. No one's heard of Cheerleader Camp except for a very select few people and they are being mad at me right now for disparaging the name of cheerleader camp, but that's what it is. Small films like that have a huge following because of how the horror fan base works. So once again, we're diving into a movie that you might not fully expect. The movie that we're talking about tonight has a great pedigree of people who've worked behind the scenes and have gone on to have giant and varied careers. Where it kind of fits within the pantheon of those careers for those individuals, that's what we're going to get into. Of course, I'm talking about 1978's Piranha. I'm going to let some people have an ooh there, and some people have an ah, and some people threaten to turn off the podcast, but that's okay. Because when we're talking about Piranha, we're getting to the heart of the wave that came when so many people were looking at the Jaws films and the Jaws ripoffs. And at the heart of Piranha, I really think, okay, well, you know, I'm, I got to talk a little bit longer, but once again, you know, the guest, it's, it's their show, so if they're going to knock and come on in, th- then that's more than fine, especially because we have a wonderful guest tonight from Birth, Movies, Death, and probably various other places, and hopefully your heart, we have the wonderful Emily Sears. How are you doing, Emily?
1: I'm good, Adrian. How are you?
0: I'm, I'm hanging in there. You know, I just rewatched this movie and I, I have some thoughts on it. Not a ton of thoughts because that, that I'm leaving that to you. But <laughs> I do have some thoughts here there. For the people who don't know and didn't hear me two seconds ago when I gave the intro, well, what are your bona fides?
1: Uh, well, I write primarily for Birth Movie Seth, one of our favorite film sites out there, I hope. Uh, I also occasionally write for Fandor and hopefully more places soon.
0: I mean, those are, you know, a couple pretty good places to have under your belt <laughs> to start off with. So it's, I mean, yes, you can go higher and you can get paid more money, but I, you know, those are kind of, kind of good to have on your resume, I think.
1: They are, they are great places. Great places, great people. <laughs>
0: Of course, we'd love to start off with a very, very simple question when it comes to these movies, and Piranha is one I'm interested to hear. Do you remember the first time that you watched Piranha?
1: I actually can't place the first time I saw it more than like just the feeling of knowing that I was very young, <laughs> <laughs> and I probably watched it on cable. It Ooh. was probably like mid '80s or late '80s. Okay. But... I I can't remember, like, the first time I saw it, what I associate with it the most is uh, my sister and I would, our uncle lived next door, actually, and he had a swimming pool, so we'd go over there a lot and swim. And after we saw Piranha, uh, our inner tube um, reenactments of the summer camp scenes were some of my favorite parts of the summer.
0: Gosh, it, it's a movie that says it's safe to go in the water only if you have a raft, canoe, or kayak. Exactly. Um, I, because you mentioned the swimming pool next door, all I kind of thought of is if you were going over, like, in the middle of the night, then maybe it would look like the military facility.
1: Yeah, it could too. Yeah, we had to climb up. Like I remember them having like this big water tank out there and there was like a way you could kind of step up onto the deck without having to go all the way around after we climbed the fence. So there was a little bit of that vibe.
0: For the people out there who've never seen um piranha before, which shame on you. You you should <laughs> see it. I guarantee you there's some people out there who've like, I've seen Barracuda, does that count? No, because it's not <laughs> called Piranha in um, as few words as possible for those in, un- uninitiated, try to describe Piranha.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, it's a Joe Dante film, which should be all you need to be sold on it, but I would describe it as a military science experiment gone wrong unleashes flesh-eating fish on pleasant summer resort.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. So, so precise and succinct. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> What did you notice when you you watched it this time? Like, is there anything that stood out different than before? And what is it about Prana that's special to you?
1: Um, I guess that this time it felt like a little calmer. Like, I guess I could pick out things that they were going for that maybe did, they didn't quite make it because of the budget or the, you know, time they had to film it. You know, things you don't notice when you're younger and watching yeah. it but none of that takes away from the film in any way, though. I still think it's fun and the characters are great and the cast is really great. So
0: who is your, your favorite person on the cast?
1: Oh man, that's the, a there, tough there's
0: one. so many. So that I know it's, it's a dividing line right here, right now, early on into uh, things. I'm, I'm making you pick a side. This is hard. Uh,
1: I really like uh, Keenan Wynn as Jack in this movie. <laughs> He's so poetic. He's like this mountain man that's just, like, so happy and set in his ways. And his dog and Brandy and that little scene he has before, you know, his legs get eaten. I I,
0: I literally had a note that I made tonight that said, Keenan Wynn's greatest acting ability is to mumble while drunk.
1: And that's true, yeah. yeah I it? think Joe Dante had said that he was completely deaf or something. Oh. i I heard him say that, yeah, so I'm sure that made it a little difficult to work with him.
0: And for anyone who's listening out there and doesn't know who Keenan Wynn is, if you are a fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000, he is in Laser Blast and also uh, The Clonus Horror. If you've seen Laser Blast, he is uh, the grandpa who keeps on yelling about Cherry Point. And <laughs> he's just about as subtle and refined in this movie as he is there. Nice. I have not seen
1: that one. Your knowledge is already going deeper than mine.
0: Uh, it's, L- Laser Blast is a classic among the MST3K set. It's it's ridiculous. It's terrible. Keenan Wynn's got only one scene, um, and he does come off as, like, vaguely drunk and very confused. So <laughs> maybe it does have something to do with, like, he, he he said that he was completely deaf to, like, cover up the fact that he... He wasn't entirely there. Could be. I, I think just adds more.
1: <laughs> more mystery. I like it.
0: Um, okay, so, so we're talking about the cast. Go, go into a little bit, you know, about this cast because it's 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 huge. It's varied, and some of the performances are a little bit weird.
1: <laughs> Who did you think was weird?
0: Uh, I mean, I. I mean, it it depends on how you want to look at it, because it's it's a Joe Dante film.
1: Yes. So they're all very much like, they know they're kind of, they know they own that they're making a Jaws parody at this point, really. So they, I mean, they don't try to hide that fact. They even have the Jaws video game shows up and like after the title sequence. So it's immediately there. So I think they're all kind of trying to be tongue in cheek about everything. It's not subtle, but there are a lot of characters like um Paul Bartel as Mr. Dumont, the camp counselor guy. That's no one is allowed to have fun at camp, it seems like, as long as he's in charge.
0: Oh my god, what what he says to the to the daughter after she she asks if there's any male and he just goes, skunked again, Grogan. <laughs> like, yeah, he's trying to
1: force her into the water and
0: she's terrified. Yeah. And
1: they're, like, throwing darts at his face, his picture on the dartboard. Yeah, he's great.
0: But he wants to save the picture because that's what matters to him. (laughs) Of course. It's his his Dorian Gray picture. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Which which means that he's doing it very wrong. (laughs) Um, What do you think helps account for the longevity of Piranha? There's still people who are talking about it today. I mean, it, it... Ended up having not only a sequel a couple years later, but they end up having the remakes, and it's gotten several special editions on on DVD, and I believe there's like one to two Blu-rays as well.
1: Yeah, I think it is the, I think Joe Dante and having John Sales uh, write the script actually helps a lot, and. Just kind of the creative way is just like Spielberg did in Jaws with, you know, the budget and problems that they had that they kind of had to make choices to uh, save money that ended up working in their favor as far as not showing too much and creating that suspense and but, but it's also just so humorous at the same time. Like I said, it doesn't take itself seriously, so it's really funny and fun to watch. And you, the characters, you really want to follow them and see where they're going, because they're pretty kooky too. <laughs> I,
0: I did kind of like watching it this time. I noticed that while it's not really what you'd call a subtle film, as you mentioned, that the way it goes about being a parody and being tongue, tongue-in-cheek, it it's a very fine line. It's not how we think of things like nowadays where everything's really over the top. And you kind of have to be somebody who's paying attention and gets on the wavelength of it. Cause it depends on if they're using like music a certain way or somebody saying something but like their descriptions uh, being over the top but the way they're delivering it seems like it's just a regular movie that, that it's very special and different. From how you normally get that uh, cash in.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Do Do you have a signature or standout scene when it comes to Piranha?
1: Um, I really like the the father and son and the fishing boat. That so <laughs> that that's one of the most brutal scenes I feel like in the movie because yeah, he gets totally pulled out of the because you know it's coming. He's got his arm like deep in the water. <laughs> And, oh. and you know that something's about to happen. And <laughs> then and the whole boat flips over and the kids stuck out there for who knows how long. I mean, he's just going to be traumatized for the rest of his life.
0: Well, I mean, he is because he calls uh, Kevin McCarthy's body like daddy. Yeah, I, I
1: know. He's so messed up when they get there. It's crazy. And, but other than that, the, all the camp scenes and when the, everybody's in the
0: water, those are, of
1: course, always great.
0: And Dick Miller.
1: Oh, Dick Miller. Love him. <laughs> I actually have a funny Dick Miller story. He was, uh, we go to some of those horror conventions uh, in the area sometimes. And they, they're they usually held at like a hotel in the area. So all of the guests are stay in the hotel. So we, myself and my husband and some friends of ours had dinner there and oh, dick miller was sitting at the table beside us with his wife having dinner <laughs> and then the table next to him was um gary Busey and his son jake and the cast of the human centipede what? and then so we, it keeps getting weirder and weirder and then george romero walks by us to go sit at a table like in the back corner or something it was the craziest dinner <laughs>
0: This is one of those situations where you're looking around, you're wondering what you're doing there, and you go, either everyone here is going to die, and we're going to be the people who don't make the paper, or this is secretly a room where all these people are being saved because something is going to happen outside that's terrible.
1: Yeah, I felt pretty safe, like, uh, with all those people, all those legends in the room. I thought we were going to be okay.
0: E- even with the Buseys, you weren't Even with weren't the Busey,
1: Busey. B.O.C. was very loud with the waiters, so we could <laughs> hear everything he was ordering.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> See, but, uh, that makes me think of just, like, the little details uh, that are in this movie. Like, when you get to um, the Aqua Center place, or whatever it's called, the aqu- aqu- Aqua Arena. Sorry. Uh-huh. Be an easier <laughs> word to say, but... <laughs> It's it's just as disorienting as the other place. But they've got all the little details of everything that's going on. Like the lady who randomly has the five-second conversation with the colonel.
1: Oh, yeah. And then they get on that boat, and their limit is like eight 18. people on the boat. And there's way more people.
0: <laughs> as you just know that it's going to go down, and you're sitting there waiting for it to go down.
1: Yeah. Oh. Uh, that's what everybody ends up climbing on to get out of the water too. I think. Yeah. And it looks like it's just gonna topple over at any second,
0: but, but they, they never play it like so over the top. Like th- there are laughs that are in there and you know that they are playing up the situation, but Joe Dante has this ability that he finds moments that he knows are really funny, but he still imbues them with the same level of like dramatic tension that any other film is going to have.
1: I think he's really great at creating a world that no matter how unorthodox it is, you just accept it. Like, you accept that this is what's going on in this universe. And, yeah, they're killer fish, you know. But that happens, you just fall for it because he does it so
0: well. They're killer fish that are on on attached to what was it sticks or poles? I can't remember. Yeah,
1: I think they used. Yeah, they were just like rubber fish on poles that's, or something.
0: And my favorite thing about that is that of of all people to do that, it's Phil Tippett that does. It. Yeah,
1: that's crazy. The that lots of guys from um, guys that had worked on Star Wars and yeah, the guy that did makeup for the Thing and like all kinds of talented people on here
0: that, that's what's ridiculous about the movie that there's just way too much talent both in front and behind the camera but it's it's george or sorry it's roger corman who once again goes i just want to make a quickie movie not mm-hmm. realizing that he's going to start the careers of so many people
1: yeah that's the thing that's great about it too is how they were all basically unknowns i mean even joe dante this was the, his first solo directing gig so and it's funny how many people that went on to do great things work together in this behind the scenes
0: now I did read I don't know if you read up on this it was just a really weird thing that IMDB had and I got like really sucked in and now I want to go out and buy it but IMDB's trivia has a whole section that's basically dedicated to the differences between the movie and the novelization
1: Really? I did not see this, but yeah. I am intrigued. Tell me more.
0: Oh, it, it turns out that in the novelization, which I don't know if it was off like an earlier version of the script, which John Sayles came out and said the only reason why he did this film, which was the same reason why he did Battle Beyond the Stars years later, was so that he could get money to put towards his own projects.
1: Sure, yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> so I wonder if like there was an earlier one, because I guess... In the actual novelization that there's a whole bunch more scenes at uh, the camp and the whole reason that uh, both Dumont uh, hates the dad and the counselor hates the dad are two different reasons but uh, the dad I guess never really shows up to the camp and one of the times that he did show up he was drunk so the counselor didn't like that and then uh, Dumont didn't like the dad because when he when he saw that he was drunk and he told him to leave, the dad pushed him in the water and all the kids laughed.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: And then so there's... is
1: that – there's the cop that pulls him over that talks about getting him on a drunken disorderly. I want, I guess that's what he's referring to then.
0: Yeah, that's, that's part of it because there's also uh, – I guess when the when the, his ex-wife left him, uh, she said – that she couldn't stand the side of him. That was the the only reason she gave when she <laughs> left. But that comment is what turned him into an alcoholic. Oh, lovely. Um, everybody... But yet she
1: leaves their daughter with him if she thinks he's so <laughs> terrible. Why does she it's, leave her young daughter? It's,
0: it's just how this movie is. It doesn't <laughs> it, it doesn't need like a full on explanation. Why is the colonel investing into the Aquarina uh, business with Dick Miller? <laughs> no
1: yeah that whole yeah that whole sequence is just like you know we got we just they had to get the piranha further out i guess they they needed new uh new people to feed on so they had to change locations
0: it's it's literally my favorite part of the movie (laughs) because in the middle of being worried about everything that's going on and them getting out he makes the phone call to him to be like hey I uh, just want you to know this should be coming your way. Like th- That's what he decides to do. They've got everything going on. And he's like, crap, I got to call that guy I invested all that money with. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? But in the, I guess they don't really go into more of him in the book, but they go into Maggie and that the whole reason she became a skip tracer is because her, her uh, ex-boyfriend left her, just basically disappeared one day and she hired a skip tracer to find him and she became really obsessed with the notion and everything and that went and she ended up going along with the skip tracer and when he he actually found her ex-boyfriend she didn't care anymore and she just decided screw it I'm done with the guy I actually <laughs> want this to be my job
1: I just want to do this job now because it's cool that is interesting yeah. it sounds so Maggie, though
0: doesn't it it, it really does. does it does well then <laughs> the ending of the movie and to even crazier because jack when he's eaten and everything doesn't have his arm go up he dies under the water and when she pulls that rope up and sees the end of it snapped on she decides to jump in the water to try to save him oh no knowing that all the piranhas are are in there and then she dies
1: oh man totally different story there
0: exactly (laughs) So, no, I
1: like the little rom-com stuff going on, kind of between those two. So.
0: Oh man, <laughs> the the whole um, sitting on the couch trying to get under the blankets.
1: Yeah, I've been trying to get under the blanket for five minutes.
0: <laughs> and, and then it just ends like they don't have a little womp-womp sound or anything like that. They just hold for a couple seconds and they go. And that's <laughs> that, that's what I love about uh, Joe Dante and this movie, just the weirdness of it all.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Now, normally we ask a question about modern counterparts, and of course it's kind of easy in this case, but (laughs) I'm very curious, since we know that this is a ripoff or homage, as uh, both Dante has said and Spielberg has said, is where do you think its place is when it comes to either the Jaws sequels or any of the cash-ins for Jaws, and how do you think it compares to like the horror in the water movies that we get nowadays
1: hmm it's an interesting question so Jaws movies I water is actually a scary thing for me so water <laughs> movies really actually it takes a lot to scare me but water movies sometimes do and especially the whole you know trick of you can't see what's under the water and but you know there's something there that stuff I love that stuff but, so I will watch any Jaws movie, basically, and even the worst one, I'm going to be like, eh, you know, it's not that best. <laughs> but I feel like Piranha kind of is better than... I mean, it's, I'm not, I don't want to say better, but... Because they're doing the same thing. They're all kind of doing the same thing, so I don't really want to compare them. But uh, and as far as how where it fits in with stuff today... I don't know. I feel like they did a better job as far as characters building up the characters back then than they do now in these kind of movies because it does just kind of feel like they they are just all there to be victims. They're just all there for the gore shots and, the you know, (laughs) so I feel like in a way the older movies handle that a little bit better as far as you caring about the characters and not wanting them to die. You know, you want them to survive,
0: now, of course, nowadays, when we do get the horror in the water movies, as you said, they don't really have as much characterization, but they do play up the gore aspect. Piranha takes kind of a a different route. What are your thoughts and feelings on that?
1: Uh, I actually, la- I prefer that. I mean, I like a lot of gore, too. I'm not anti-gore. I can can appreciate it. But I like the subtlety of this, the way they did it, especially about... When they do get to the resort is when you really start to see, like, the kid with, like, half his back on when they pull him out of the water. And and even at the summer camp uh, when Dumont is helping the kids out, he's got, like, I mean, that one piranha jumps up right and tears his cheek off or something <laughs> at some <laughs> point. I mean, the stuff that they do, I feel like, I just wish that you had gotten closer looks at it, maybe, Mm -hmm. which they didn't have the opportunity to do. And now I think they have more, obviously, a better budget and more time that they can get that great shot of, you know, all that hard work the makeup artists put into it.
0: Well, of of course, uh, I feel like maybe they they wasted their budget on uh, the stop motion. Oh, my gosh. that, That we never see again.
1: That creepy little lizard guy, yeah, I read uh, that Joe Dante actually had planned and hoped that he would show it repeatedly, and each time it would be bigger. And then at the, uh, yeah, at the end, he actually wanted it to like crush like a dock at the lake or something.
0: Oh my god, I would have <laughs> loved that!
1: <laughs> See, that would have been awesome, but that's another thing, yeah, they didn't have the money to do. But, I, but now, without all of that, it seems so random. Yeah. Because it's just adding to the mad scientist aspect of uh, Kevin McCarthy's Dr. Hoke,
0: Who we barely guess. know anything about.
1: I know. He's a man of mystery. <laughs> no, no, he's a man who
0: dies really fast.
1: <laughs> he, but I feel like he chooses to... Did you feel like he'd made that choice because he was actually kind of feeling guilty? Because uh, I, I t- right before then, he was talking about, you know, yes. I can't believe you're blaming me, and he's like, oh, wait, they're right to blame me.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll die. He just rolls, just turns his head and, and dies, and I was like, oh, Joe Dante, that's, that's totally a decision that you're like, nope, we're going to do this. We're not going to give an explanation. He's just going to die. <laughs> uh, um, of course, the, one of the interesting things about this movie compared to lots of the other movies either of this era or kind of in this genre is that Dante is also involved with the editing for this movie Mm -hmm. and I there were little pieces that I noticed here and there that were really interesting choices do did you like the editing or did you feel that it was different compared to most of the movies at the time
1: um I I guess I didn't notice it being jarring or anything is there a specific moment that you're thinking about
0: there's a couple moments where he how he basically moves focus from like one thing to another or showing a passage of time and it's like um i'm trying to remember exactly what the moment is but there there's a scene and it it happens later on when the guy is making the phone call and it switches to dick miller but and while it is the colonel that's on the phone they don't really play it like that at first because dick miller doesn't refer to him by name And it just, they just shift to the scene. Oh, yeah, I see what you're talking about. And then he's got a couple other moments where um, he's got what seems like it's going to be a big reveal or something bad's going to happen. And then he just ends up, um, ah, God, what's it called? Um, Shifting the tone. Like, when he goes to the colonel's assistant who's got the TV on, he's watching the monster movie, the monster pops up <laughs> just at a moment in the movie where the piranha is supposed to be taking its place.
1: Yeah, yeah. Remember that. I wonder if it was all just something, things had gone wrong and he was trying to cover things up or <laughs> another, you know, movie magic where he had to just do the best he could with what he had.
0: Well, he, he makes it he makes the theme seem, you know, like, it's a skill. Like it's something that's ingrained and that he's, it's part of the way that he's trying to let people know that it's okay to laugh at the movie.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Think, he's great at that.
0: Yeah. I, I, and I think that's something that lots of people don't give him credit for. Like on the back of the, the DVD case for Piranha, uh, <laughs> it mentions gremlins, but then the other mentioned movie it mentions from Joe Dante is uh, small soldiers. Really? And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? In in what (laughs) world is that the second movie that you're mentioning Joe Dante being involved in?
1: Yeah, especially with this particular movie, you'd think they would have gone for, like, the howling. I guess, well, he hadn't made that yet, but if it's a newer Blu-ray or something. Yeah,
0: it's the Shout Factory one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you'd think that they would do the howling or... Even even Gremlins, too. Just
0: throw that in there. <laughs> Dude, just put gremlins and Gremlins too. Doesn't just those matter two. Anything That's all you need. Fun.
1: Like Gremlins is the best, though. I, I yeah. think it may be my favorite Christmas movie, but we're not here to talk about Gremlins. Sorry, I'm off topic.:
0: No, it's, it's so funny. <laughs> because I mean, Joe Dante is a big part of this movie, and you can't really talk about what, how it stays fresh in people's minds. This movie's 40 years old. And yet, mm-hmm. there's still people who are finding uh, the movie and becoming fans of it. People who are revisiting it. You know, we're talking about it right now because of the longevity of it. The fact that you said, "I want to talk about Piranha," you know, <laughs> that, that lets you know I, we give you. I gave you a list of, of movies, and Piranha was one of the ones that that you wanted to do. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> so that, I mean. People have reverence for it, and it's Joe Dante, so the majority of his movies end up having some type of reverence. You know, I mean, they could have easily put the Burbs on the back of the box. Yeah, yeah, one. absolutely. Because I think if you if you say like if they Game of Three and put Gremlins, Burbs, and um, the Howling, you put those in a blender, you get Piranha.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: Now. Of of course, I mean that's part of the answer, I guess, to the next question. But I'm I'm very curious to hear, um, from your perspective, having rewatched the movie the day that we're recording this, uh, do you feel that it's still worthy of all that reverence, or do you feel in any way that that it's still good, but maybe the the shine is slowly wearing off it?
1: I don't think it is wearing off. Actually, I had a great time watching it again today. I. I mean, obviously it doesn't I don't even want to say it is dated or anything because it's I mean obviously everybody's wearing their seventies awesome clothes, but you know they look they don't look so like out there that I mean that it doesn't still work today uh, i I still love everything about it, I thought it was fun, and the suspense there, and like I said, it felt a little bit calmer to me like I could tell. You know, I'm not going to get the same thing out of it that I did when it scared me as a kid and made me play like piranhas were eating me in the swimming pool. But it's still a really fun movie and the characters are a blast.
0: Now, do you think because the tone is different than lots of the films that come out nowadays that are either water based or just monster based in general, that that's what what helps keep it fresh?
1: Uh, as far as people like seeing stuff and going back and to see older monster movies, you mean?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that that is what turns people on to going back and seeing where the stuff, especially if they love monster movies. I mean they're going to go back and see how it evolves from through the years, because that's what film's all about. Right. You want to see where people, how people did things back then, even the stop motion back then, I'm sure was excruciating to do that one little scene. (laughs) But like, I I think people are really curious about all of that stuff and it's fun to go back and discover how it was done.
0: I, I do hope that people are going back and watching it, especially for the last couple of years, having, several underwater movies or water-based horror because you had uh 48 i think 48 meters down
1: yeah i did not see that one i see. Yeah. i need to see that and there was yeah, another no, one you don't i will watch i will i will watch and enjoy all the water movies they will give me a, they will give me some kind of anxiety of some sort <laughs> well, even I, if they're bad yeah,
0: i was i was gonna say i'm i'm interested to see if you if you decide to stomach a five-headed shark attack.
1: Oh, that one I haven't seen. Yeah. That's that's uh, on
0: Amazon Prime, so you know it's quality.
1: There's the Meg is coming out. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, that one looks insane.
0: I I almost feel like that movie's been in production since Piranha came out. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) But I, I, I think that... The difference between like because the meg of course we're recording this uh, at the tail end of june and they recently put out another trailer for the meg that seems directly over the top with the i want to make it bleed bit <laughs> so but i think that's i feel like that's completely different from from piranha
1: oh yeah definitely because a lot one-liners and that just reminded me of some of the great one-liners from this movie. you <laughs> said that, uh, the, like the guy that tells Dick Miller, they're eating the guests, sir. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, why are you bothering me? He's like, they're eating the guests. So go And Bar- oh, Barbara Steele's, uh, fish genetics is a very small field. Maybe my <laughs> favorite line.
0: <laughs> oh my God. It's great. It's great. <laughs> Like even the way that they end the movie too.
1: That reminded me a lot, actually, of how he ends *The Howling*.
0: Uh huh.
1: Her little, you know, spooky little look she gives and her one-liner at the end.
0: So you're her... disappointed that she didn't turn into a piranha?
1: <laughs> she's up. She's up to something. We don't really. I mean, we kind of know that she's she's a baddie, but. I don't know. She's she's so got that distinct look too. She's I love that character. She's really fun.
0: She's she's definitely got one in a jar in the back of her car. <laughs> you, you know it. You yeah, know it.
1: she's got it. Something set in case something went wrong and she had to start all over again with her little experiments.
0: None of them are in the sequel, are they?
1: Oh God, I don't know. I didn't look it. I didn't look up the.
0: For anyone who for who who doesn't know, uh, Piranha 2: The Spawning um, is notoriously known because it is one of the first movies that James Cameron ever did, and it has flying piranhas involved in it.
1: Of course it does. It's like a Mario game or something where the <laughs> with all those levels with the fish flying at your face.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> I I don't believe they were piranhas. Are no, they weren't,
1: but they should have been. Would they should
0: have, have been. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, because that that's what I was curious about uh, is if there was any direct connection. Because in lots of these uh, these movies, it's always like a tangential connection. Uh-huh. And, and of course, the history of Piranha is weird because they do have the sequel, and then they have a a TV remake. In 1995, I want to say it was sci Fine Channel, and then they had um, Piranha 3D and Piranha 3DD. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it it spawned a sequel. It, and it sure spawned did. A franchise.
1: <laughs> we need to go back and watch those. We need to listen to our own podcasts and be like, yeah, we should go back and appreciate what they did with the rest of the Piranha series.
0: I don't. I don't.
1: i I did see the remake but i i think i saw the second one too but it has been probably years and years ago
0: it's it's completely different like whereas dante comparatively dante is subtle in in his humor whereas those are just completely over the top maybe a little bit too much
1: yeah for sure (laughs) But it doesn't seem like anybody that was in the first one is in the second one So I wonder
0: if maybe they just drop someone's name or something in the dialogue It's one of those where it's just kind of connected Like it it picks up months later and piranhas are killing everyone Or it's not even connected and it just involves genetically mutated piranhas
1: Yeah, it's just all from the piranhas perspective and Piranha too.
0: Okay, I I believe that (laughs) It did. It did say Lance Henriksen was in the movie, so I can easily see <laughs> Lance Henriksen playing a piranha. I think he has happen. a range.
1: Just put the teeth in there. Oh, the the teeth. Uh, well, the noise they make in general. The noise of the piranha is another thing I love about the movie.
0: The, it sounds
1: exactly. like a. no it sounds like a dentist drill or uh-huh. something underwater, like the sound. You know, when they're coming, like that little yeah. buzzing sound.
0: It's it's uh. It's unsettling.
1: Yes, it is.
0: <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts on Piranha?
1: Piranha's great. Piranha did the the same thing for me that Jaws did uh, with the ocean, but for lakes. It made me afraid to go swimming. <laughs> Even though it was totally irrational to think that there were piranha in any lake, you know, in the Midwest where I grew up. But, you know, that's what that's the power of Joe Dante. He makes you believe in the world that he's showing you.
0: (laughs) For for better or worse. (laughs) For better or worse, (laughs) yeah. Now, where can the good people find you online?
1: Uh, You can find me on Twitter. It's at Emily underscore Dawn. And, of course, you can find me on Birth Movies Deaths, writing about fun movies.
0: That's simple enough. That's simple enough. And you can find me uh, online at either AdrianTors or for of course uh, the show is at horrorversary. Um, like, listen, do whatever you want. Let you know, br- bring people in. We want more people to try to listen to this because the bigger we we get, uh, the more guests I think we'll be able to get on um, in the future, which which will be awesome. We've already got a great you know, group of people lined up. We've gotten to have Emily here. we we got to have Anya recently. we got to have uh, Heather Navarro. We've got our Megan Navarro. We've got um, Heather Wixon's going to be coming up. We've got Katie Rife. We've got a whole bunch of great people. And I really think that the more people we have listening, we can easily, you know, I- expand our horizons, get bigger people. Because this is the whole idea about this, just like we did with Emily today is to get people to come on and gush about movies they love. We're in a weird time in 2018 where people try to be negative of just about everything. And movies are something that can bring people together, it can make them feel great. And there's still plenty of people nowadays who are complaining about all the movies that are coming out. So, it's a good time to look back at older films that that, that we love and that we should, you know, maybe reappreciate or seek out that we haven't seen before. And so that's hopefully what we're doing with some of these movies. If you haven't seen them before, definitely check them out. There are great new films, but there's so many great old films that that need attention and love, even if it's something like Piranha. So I I definitely want to thank you for coming on, Emily. It means a lot.
1: Oh, thank you very much for having me. It was fun.
0: Well, Hey, next year we've got another list, so maybe we'll have you back.
1: Oh, I'd love to come back.
0: (laughs) Until next time, everybody. Be nice to each other.